Happy Monday morning. Today is November the 8th. It's uh, our day 312 of our reading, and we are glad you've joined us today for GC365. I'm Pastor Larry, and I'm here with Doug and Leslie Aaron. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us. I'm especially glad to have you guys here because you are just back from work, working with our churches in Mexico. So I want you guys to just talk a little bit about your experiences in Mexico, what you guys maybe did, how you were involved with the churches there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I was working in nutrition. I was uh, with the congregation and doing some blood pressure screenings and blood sugar screenings and doing some teaching on diabetes and hypertension and uh, how to manage those conditions. So I got to connect with a lot of women in the church. It was a really great experience. Um, And what I really loved that I saw about the churches down there is that there's no pressure during the week for them to join uh, the church service on Sundays. There are many people who come in during the week and that may be the only attendance they have at the church and that's completely fine. It truly is a church about the community. So you're referring to programs that go on during the week, so they don't necessarily get ministered to just on Sundays, but because of all that we do during the week. So that's that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Doug? Uh, you know, the, the experience was great. As you know, it's not our first rodeo, but going down there and just meeting the church, meeting the pastor, seeing the hearts that they have for the communities was amazing. Um, we got to speak at a few churches, talk about our stories, which was impactful in different ways from different right. stories. Uh, other than that, what we focused on was the disaster from the hurricane and looking at some of the homes that were destroyed and looking at the hope that people had. You know, I mean, they didn't ask for anything. They weren't looking for anything, but we showed up with the love of Christ and the hope of the church. And from there, as we know in this world, we can't change the world. Right. But what we can do is really change it for somebody else. And these are not just church people. These are people in that community that have been impacted. Correct. Yeah, so that is, that's really awesome. And that's what really just blew them away is that we were even yeah. looking to, to Real ministry there. That's yes. good. Very good. So you guys would recommend a trip for somebody if they wanted to go to do some work in missions? Oh, uh, absolutely. It's yeah. imperative. There are less beautiful places to go. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Right outside the door. But hey, let's let's go ahead and get into the reading for today. And we're going to start with the Old Testament reading in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 18. And it starts uh, with verse 1 all the way through 32. Um, and the title of this particular scripture, just in the Bible, was The Justice of the Righteous God. And um, I thought it was kind of interesting that it starts off with this quote from Proverbs. And the quote is, parents eat the sour grapes, but their children's mouth pucker. So it's this idea that, that, you know, you think sin gets passed down from generation to generation. You know, the parents are the ones that send and it's the kids now that are, have the effect of that. Um, but then it goes right on from that. And Ezekiel says, and this is Ezekiel, the prophet speaking God's words. So this is God speaking. No, that's not the case. God says he judges all people, both parents and children alike. So it's like, you know, you've always heard that idea that, you know, the, the sin of the father passes yeah. on from generations. But this seems to be saying through God's communication through Ezekiel that it's not the parents' sin that affects the children's sin, that everybody's judged equally. Is that what you guys saw in that? Yeah, uh, you see that being taught in a lot of churches. But, you know, as you read the scripture, it definitely and clearly states that you're responsible for your own actions. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that... 
and this is going to be a hot topic for some where, you know, it's the uh, once saved, always saved. Yeah. Well, what I've read in Ezekiel 18 is that's not the case. It says once the righteous turn from the righteous acts and start in the way of the sinners, their righteous acts are going to be first forgotten and they're going to die. Right. And vice versa. Yes. That those who've been sinners have the opportunity to repent and change their ways. And then I found this, uh, <clears throat> what was it here? The, uh, uh, there is a verse that uh, Jesus, Jesus dealt with the same question in the New, New Testament when the disciples said, was this blind guy, you know, be, because of his parents' sin? Was he blind because of his parents' sin? Hmm. And Jesus says, no, it's from neither of their sins. And then it goes on to say, um, uh, yeah, they ask, was it his sin or his parents' sin? And uh, Jesus said, uh, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So it's almost like he's blind because of the power of God that's going to reveal, be revealed in this healing. So I, I feel pretty good that, that we're, we believe right, that God is saying that we're, we're released from the sins of our parents. It's all about us and what we do and how we're reconciled with God. And if we go through difficult things, sometimes it's so that God's power can be revealed in us. So would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And what I liked about what that that list showed in Ezekiel 18 was it's not just a list of do not do these things, but it contrasted it with the way that the righteous live. Right. That's right. And then uh, then at the end of that kind of goes into this idea that everybody's responsible for their own sin. And, and so we move on. Which is bittersweet, right? Because you want to be able to blame somebody sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of true. Yeah. Yep. Ezekiel uh, 19 uh, verses 1 through 14. So moving on here, and this one is given the title, the, the funeral song. So apparently this was written as a song, um, and it kind of starts off with all of these verses that are referring to the children of Israel as a lion that's being raised as a cub and being raised up, raised up, raised up. But eventually the, the you know, the children out in the wilderness, they eventually are uh, captured and, and taken into captivity, this, this roaring lion. So again, dealing with the children of Israel, I think, to, uh, uh, to show kind of what they've gone through. And then the story switches to this illustration of a large vine that's just this big vine. It's really got a lot of you know, forage on it, a lot of beautiful you know, stuff. But then eventually it's cut off. And again, it's that, that relating back to the children of Israel had all of this promise to them, but then they eventually get cut off. And, uh, and it's kind of funny because I really relate to the story of vineyards because I was raised on a vineyard. Hmm. And what we would actually do is we would cut the, the extra branches off of vines and they would be either discarded and burned or you could take them and replant them and they would vote, they would grow, they would grow roots and then you could take them out and plant them again. And it's interesting because at the end of this chapter, it talks about the vine being replanted, which I kind of thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you were here to explain that because as I was reading that chapter, I was lost and I figured, well, Larry, you'll make it make sense for me today. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope we're halfway right anyway. Hey, Hebrews 9, then let's hop into that. Uh, and this is the first covenant between God and Israel. And so it goes right into this, this um, well, first of all, you know, some people say, well, Paul must have written this, but there's really some discrepancy in who wrote this book of Hebrews. 
And the names that come out are Paul, for one, but it could also have been Barnabas, Luke, or Apollos that wrote this. So we're not exactly sure. But it really starts out, and my understanding of this particular chapter is that um, there's been a lot of Christians, early Christians, who are beginning to go back to their old beliefs because they're getting persecuted. They're starting to get persecuted. And so it's the idea that they that they've been leaving the flock, you know, in masses. And so this letter is written to address them. And it starts off <clears throat> by, uh, you know, a, a kind of taking the children of Israel through the, you know, all that God has done for them over the time and, and where their roots come from, you know, the persecution that they experienced, you know, and how God continues to deliver, deliver them. And it talks about, you know, the, you know, offering sacrifices and all that stuff, which is part of the first covenant, which they had to, you know, God had this first covenant with the people where you have to surrender your lambs, your firstborn lambs and your firstborn child. And that's all the first covenant. But this now discusses a second covenant, which is the ultimate sacrificial lamb, which is Jesus. Anything else you guys jumped out at you in that particular scripture? After you. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, we've heard that many times about the, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and how Jesus came to fulfill that and came to um, really um, bring to life the, that picture that was established um, in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant and how he truly fulfills that and um, completely changed the face of the earth and how we do worship and how we communicate with God. Yeah, so I think I think again, it's it's that idea that these people have left the faith now, and he, they're saying you're, you're going back to the old covenant when we have the new covenant, and that's kind of really where that where that lands. I think mm-hmm. that there's Jesus. Don't forget that Jesus died for us. So it's kind of a kind of a cool cool thing there. Then we go to the Psalms. What did you get out of that? <laughs> um. Well, I thought it was interesting um, in the Psalms it talked about um, the things that, that people were doing and that were against God. And I think one of the things when we look at a verse like that where it talks about going to idols and um, that kind of stuff that we don't really associate much with these days. Um, and so I think it's easy to look at that and say, oh, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not that person. So uh, I think I must be doing pretty good. But um, I think one thing that, that takes shape in our life is uh, which kingdom are we part of? Are we part of the kingdom of God or are we part of um, the kingdom of this world? Mm. And um, there are the ways of the kingdom of this world, and just like there were ways of the kingdoms of the world back then, which were things like idols and making these unjust sacrifices and that kind of thing. And that's where the people were going. Um, and God's call is to say, no, do not be taken up by the kingdom of the world and the way that they live their life. Um, live the way that my kingdom is, which is a very different kingdom. But I think that idol worship also is very deceptive. So we don't, we don't think we're worshiping idols, but it's anything that takes the place of God. Right, and how much do we put politics above God? How much do we put television above God? Or just laziness? Like we put all these things above spending and devoting time to God, which do become idols. We just don't recognize it as such. Yeah. And this, as I look at this, you know, this is—he's he, really talking about all that the Israelites went through as Moses is taking them, you know, to 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 Canaan. And uh, 
and he's leading them. It's all this negative, negative, horrible things that are going on, going on. And then there's one transitional verse in verse 12 that says, but you, O Lord, will sit on the throne forever. So it's like all of this junk is going on, but you, O Lord, are going to sit on the throne forever. And then it goes into this almost praise of what God has brought people through. And so it was that real transitional verse there I I thought was interesting. Then our Proverbs this week is Proverbs 27.10. And it says, uh, be a good friend is kind of the basic idea in this. So there's the proverb. Why don't you read it for us, Leslie? Yeah, Proverbs 27.10. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. So what do you think, Doug? What does that mean? Um, that just falls in line with how I am. Um, and I didn't know that I was being scriptural. I just, <laughs> I, I know that if I see a neighbor in need, I just go right away. If I see a friend in need, I'm right there. I remember we were sitting there one day, Saturday morning, we're just hanging out doing yard work and we've seen aid car come haul off our neighbor. And my very first thought was when I found out he had COVID, my very first thought was, well, who's going to take care of the property for him? So without even asking, I just went over and started mowing their yard and mother was crying. She's like, oh, thank you. You've been the best friend we've ever had since we've been here. And, and you know what? Ever since, they've looked out for us. Well, yeah. if I'm out of town or if Leslie's out of town, they watch the house. They make That's sure. Awesome. And it, it was just a simple act of making sure that when disaster strikes, you're nearby. That's good. So, just living it out. That's yeah. great. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us today for GC365. We hope that you have a great afternoon. God bless you. God bless.